What's up, Drew? Hey. <laughs> you can't just do a head nod. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to How College Works. Today, I thought we would discuss grades. <laughs> it's kind of weird we haven't, because it's kind of like one of the biggest deals. It's kind, yeah, it's kind of a huge deal. It's kind of a huge. Deal. I think, I think for Melanie and I, at least a little bit, there is this kind of like dread of this discussion. Because I mean, one because it's such a big deal for students, and much of my anxiety sometimes in terms of meeting with a student is having to discuss their grades. I have anxiety because often if a student wants to discuss grades with me, it's because they're not doing well in my class. And then we have to talk about where they're not doing well and, and why. And it's, I mean, I know it's not a comfortable conversation for them. It's also usually not a comfortable conversation for me as well. So I can't help but notice that you're bringing this up at a particular time in our semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, we are coming a, into the home stretch. Uh, we're about, what, th three or four days from the final day to drop. It's it's Friday. Yeah. Friday is the final day to drop. And so, like, it's, it's sort of that moment where you have to decide, can I pull this grade up or can I, do I need to just, you know, count this as yeah. a loss? Now is definitely a time with a frank conversation <laughs> with, uh, with students about... How they're doing and then you know for me often it's conversation of not just what is mathematically possible but what is probable like not can you but, will but you? are you likely to yeah you know is, will is you? Realistic? yeah I was just having a conversation this morning about I was ready I knew all the drop dates <laughs> first year you're probably not like I probably had to end up paying twice for a lot of classes but yeah. let's not talk about that <laughs> So, I don't know, do you want me to talk about how grades are done a little bit? I can't necessarily talk about high school in general, but I can talk about how my math department does it. Sure, let's, let's each talk about uh, kind of how we grade, and I think that's going to segue us into the underlying thing that sits underneath grading. Like, grades are a number, but like, there's a, I know that was yeah. really precise, wasn't it's it? It's the why of grades. Yeah, the it's why. It's not just the number. Exactly, the why of grading. So, like... You remember when we were in school and it was like, bring in a box of Kleenex for 10 extra points. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Crayons in elementary and that's going to be 10 points and da, da, da. And perfect attendance this month gets five. That was way back in the day. There's still places that do that. I don't, I'm pretty sure the state of California has made it illegal to give a grade based on attendance. Hmm. <laughs> I, I hope so anyway but so like you know the, the place where I work my administration has kind of had the conversation with the entire staff and everybody at least is well I don't know the people I work with I trust are, are all kind of saying if I have an A grade in a certain class of math or in English it should mean that I have A level comprehension of the material you know if I have a C in, in math 1 it should mean that I'm competent to begin math 2 Right. If I have a D, that means I need to repeat or remediate or take some summer class or, you know, something. So, you know, as a department over the last, like, three years that I've been here in the math department, we've been talking about, and we have switched over from just basically everybody running their own grade book, which is okay. That's allowed under California law. Nobody can tell the teacher how to grade. 
to like the entire department, we basically have a weekly discussion about grades and how would rubric grading work? What would it look like? How do we how do we make it so that an integrated one math one first year person is ready for math two? Hey, math three, what do you guys need your kids to know? Let's make those the essential standards for math two, and let's grade them on those standards. So, uh, my grade book and my department's grade books have. Solving a quadratic by completing the square. You either have a, a four, three, two, one, or zero in it. Solving a quadratic by factoring you, a zero product property. You got a four, three. Every single topic that we could that we put on a, a test or a final has a column in the grade book, and a kid has a rubric score four, three, two, one, zero, and they're able to all the way through the semester retake quizzes, retake tests all the way through. That's be, not because it's like I'm going to retake, but because you didn't know it when we took the first quiz or the first test and you bailed out and bombed it. Now we're going to take it again and I'll replace that, that score with whatever you get, better or worse. And so by June, you have an accurate reflection on all topics of what you actually know um, in June, you know what I mean? And so I, I think that's what's called rubric grading or standards-based grading right. Uh, right. combined. And we've worked out a lot of kinks and there's some more kinks to work out. You know, the students are still asking us about points. How many points is it? Uh, how many points is the test? But mostly our conversations are, are switching over to like, how can I learn this? Like uh, conversations about how can I understand this math so that I'll still know it in June when it's on the final. Right. And that's fantastic. <laughs> One of the things that, that listeners you may have heard was Melody going, ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> like, like conversations about points. Yeah. Since we hate that. I don't like that. Because one, one of the things that underlies the grading process is why are, why are we doing it? What are we looking for? So usually there is some often, I'm guessing, poorly articulated <laughs> to even the grader idea of what an A, a B, a C, a D, or an F means. And Drew, you were actually articulated, I thought, pretty well in saying... And I'll say for, for mine, like an A is somebody who is understanding this material extremely well. They are understanding the concepts of physics and how they relate to each other. And therefore, implicit in that is also be able to use the equations and the concepts you know, on their own. A B is somebody who is probably able to use the concepts on their own and relate some of them together, but they're not necessarily getting all of it all sort of bound up together. A C is somebody who can use the concepts on their own but probably has difficulty relating them to each other. They, they don't, they're not seeing this as a cohesive whole, but rather as isolated things. And a, uh, a D student is someone who is having trouble even applying them on an individual basis. If I give them I some... You know, if somebody with a 42 on a 2 on our little rubric, which is a C, mm -hmm. it is a lot of times the one who needs that, uh, the scaffold of the formula on the board and the, the algorithm to follow, and they're the, that's the student that's asking me, well, what's the steps? How right. do I do complete the square? What's the steps for completing the square? How do I solve special right triangles and unit circle? Oh what are the steps? Because they, they want a process, and, and that's okay, but we want to move beyond. That's not an A student. Right. That's somebody who can get, it, get through right. but not excel. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting because, like, students want – 
a very prescriptive assignment sheet from me often. Mm -hmm. And this, like, if I don't tell them exactly how I want to organize, then a lot of those students will come to me and say, well, but what would it look like? Like, in terms of inventing their own organization or thinking about maybe you could apply what we've already done to this new essay. Uh, so I, I think it, it seems very similar when you're talking about, like, they need that, they need that help. They need me to sort of help them think about how to organize their ideas rather than be able to create those constructs for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's all similarities. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, well, I, that, uh, I'm just thinking back to my experience as a student in English in college and high school, and think, like, the best thing that helped me was just writing stacks of essays, but I'm not the person to give advice on how to teach it, so... <laughs> well, <Moving on. laughs> I mean, one of the old school advice for students in physics is, you know, I'm having difficulty in physics, how do I get better? And, and the old school advice is just work a ton of problems. Mm. Which is the same as like, just write a ton of essays. Which is something <laughs> like, just practice, 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 practice. Edit this part out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but part of it like, is to, to improve is to have that, that feedback. Right. Right. Like, it, I could do a ton of physics problems, but if I'm not thinking about what I'm doing, if I'm not if I'm not making connections, basically, about the, the problem as it's stated, the concept that I'm using, the equation, and how that might relate to another concept, then I'm not actually improving. I'm just... call that, I, I think we're going to call that generalizing the skill. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right across, across time. And so, you know, this is what, you know, you and I and tech-savvy educator were talking about this morning, making the tasks real. It's not enough to just say drill and kill like we used to and we're going to do a mad minute and we're going to do a thousand problems on completing the square. It's, it's making wow. it like how is this a real task? Right. right. And that, that's where they can draw those connections and generalize the skill and see meaning in it and now generalize a, across settings and, and learn it <laughs> rather than regurgitate it. I think you kind of like narrowed it down to exactly the point. It's about learning mm -hmm. and applying those things. And rather, I don't know, I get really frustrated. Because for me, it seems like the students do the work and they're kind of like, well, but I did it. And like a B is now the default. When for me, when I was in high school, like a C was the default for like, you know, trying. <laughs> I don't know. So then, the, then there's those people who are like, well, and we have plus and minuses. We have just an A. We also have an A minus. We don't have an A plus. Um, but sometimes that difference, because you do have to attach a number to it at the end of the day right. in order to put it into the grade book. But they're like, well, but why did I get a 92 and not a 93? Like, I can explain the difference between... An A and a B for sure, and maybe between like a B plus and an A minus, but one point difference is is yeah. pretty tricky. So that's why getting rid of this this percentage grading is is helpful. Um, you know, my university did A, B A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B. You know, I think I, I mentioned that, but you know, if you're on your if you're on that rubric score, and, and we have decided most of us use like a four, a three and a half, a two, a three, three, two and a half, two. You know, I messed that up. Anyway, <laughs> most of us will use a half point, and and yeah, then the conversation's no longer like, why did I get a ninety three, not a ninety two? It's like, well, how do I how do I learn it to get a four? Well, right. you know, stop messing your negative signs up. <laughs> Basically, that's the, you know, and so it's easier with math for rubric scoring, but, 
Yeah. It is a little easier. I, I mean, this hasn't happened for years, but I have had a first-year college student be like, well, writing's so, like, you know, it's just your opinion. Why, why does your opinion matter more than mine? And I'm, well, and of course I'm not very nice sometimes. I'm like, well, my degrees mean my opinion's worth more, which is true. In terms of writing, yes. Um, right? But, I mean, and that shut him down pretty quickly, but there is that connection with writing. Well, but if someone else read it, I probably would have gotten an A. And I'm like, well... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. That wasn't the reaction I was supposed to have. What did you say? I didn't even hear you. <laughs> I said, go to a different college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Or, or actually, mine is like, well, if you think that's true, then there are other options. This class is offered in multiple sections, you know, which is not very nice, but at the same time... I mean, that's a fairly entitled student. Yeah. And part of the respect that we've talked about before is showing is respecting the not just the authority, but the expertise that they have. One of the things in terms of moving through understanding is is moving through this sort of idea that there is one right answer and that your professor is supposed to tell it to you or, or teacher, your instructor is supposed to tell it to you and then you have to repeat it back to them. And then you move into sort of more sort of complexity. It's like, there's a right answer. Maybe nobody knows it yet, but somebody will. And, and then you get into this sort of relativism where it's like, everybody has different opinions and like... Every opinion is equally valid. You're not at the end yet. You move through that relativism. And that's super false, but okay. Yeah, it is super false because it is. So we moved off of off of grading. I, I like where that conversation's going. But Sorry, yes, I, yes. I was a little distracted. I don't know. My brain's not working well today. No, no, I was I was with you on that on that thread, but uh, no, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, we have we have. Told everybody we talk about grading. <laughs> yes, we did. Well, okay, so. Like, you guys are talking about what, like, an A means to you or what, like, a 4 or whatever means to me. And so I tell my students this, so this is not a secret, but I will never give a 100% on a major essay. It's really tough for me to as well. Like, you can get 100% on other things, you know. Like, yeah, hey, you did your all of your reflection journals. You met the word requirement. You clearly put in thought and time. I am happy to reward that. But... Well, I don't know. So for me, um, and I tell them this too, I'm like, well, writing is never really finished. It's just due, which is kind of like an annoying thing to say. No, I'm that's getting very a, true. I'm like, getting a head nod that it's annoying to say that. No, it's true that, it, that it's, okay. it's, true. it's just yeah. due. It's, not, it's never done. Well, right, because you will go back to it even in two weeks and you would change things. I mean, give it two months or two years, you would certainly change a lot because you're going to continue to grow and those kinds of things. If I can make zero comments really other than, wow, this is a really great transition or I love this evidence, if I don't have something like to be like, ah, you need to extend this or this should be cited, but if I don't have anything but positive things to say, I will give that paper an A. Okay, so here's what, here's what I heard. You were talking about giving feedback. Yes. So we labeled it grading like we should have, and I propose that everywhere in education, or most places in education, we should be talking about the type of feedback and the speed of feedback and the quality of feedback and the method of feedback that we get to students. And if we stopped calling it grading, mm. uh, you know, there'd be riots in the street and the students <laughs> would hate it because they don't know how to do anything unless it says 92 on it. And the parents don't know how to read it unless it's an ABC. I'm generalizing. Most, a lot of parents are cool. <laughs> so cool. But you know, at the same time, it would be different. But 
think of those times when you've had the best classroom experience. It's because your teacher, your professor is acting like a mentor or coach and giving you quality feedback. Right. And, right. and so what you just described is Reed College, where they actually do have grades, but the students now, they didn't used to. They used to yeah. like literally not have grades. The yeah, students only have feedback. The, beyond the first year. Yeah. And so now they, they, there are grades. A student can request their grades, but very few do. And that's really getting at changing the culture of the student body into really what I think all of us on this podcast want, which is this focus on, I'll, I'll tell to all students everywhere, the students that I have had who have been concerned about understanding the material have only ever done fantastically well in my classes, beyond, I think, their expectations, usually. The students I've had who have been focused on grades have almost exclusively done poorer in my class than they want to or thought they should. Because what you're focusing on is where you spend your time. And if you spend your time worrying about grades, worrying about points, you're not spending your time thinking about physics, at which point you're not understanding physics, you're not learning physics, and therefore you'll do poorly on exam. Smash the pebble grasshopper, it's so deep. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the little boy pointing at the moon, I think, is the better. Is the better. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I read a, a um, uh, that's, that's a Bruce Lee quote, by the way. Check your references. The, um, the, I read an article about running, because I do some running once in a while, and it was talking about preparing for a half marathon or a marathon or whatever. And this famous coach, I don't know any of the running people, it was a famous coach, I guess, was had taken on some people. And they were saying, well, I want to run a nine-minute mile for the for the half marathon. I want to run a nine-minute pace. And the other the other student had said, oh, I want to run a you know nine-and-a-half-minute pace for the half marathon. And he said, well, why don't you eliminate that? Like, just forget that you said that. And let's go out and train, and let's not train for nine-minute paces on the track and do laps on the track to try and get a nine-minute pace. Let's do running the way a half marathon is, which is out on a big road course or out through the woods or whatever, and let's put in the effort that you think you can sustain for the full length of the race. Just run that effort. Don't talk about time. Don't think about time. Both of those students, mentees, mentor people, ran faster than the pace they had set at the beginning because they were focused on their effort level for this for the length of duration not about oh shoot is my time a nine nine and a half mm-hmm. what's my mile time what's my mile time they weren't checking their watch they were you know so you know that's a metaphor or it could be a metaphor for what you just talked about is it, what is my focus is my focus on points and gpa or is my focus on i want to learn this knowledge so that i can apply it to whatever field I go into with the degree. Like, I have a music degree. Does my GPA and my music degree matter at my current position? Absolutely not. Nobody's looking at it. My but, GPA actually increased every, you know, from high school to college to grad school. It got better and better and better. Uh, that was because of me. But, well, I mean, it was because of my effort, my interest in, in the, not because I magically got better. But uh, it's that, that focus on the effort that yes. allows you to excel at your job as opposed to focus on like 
the pay upgrade for getting a master's or whatever sort of other carrots or yeah. sticks that are that existing. Will turn it down. I wouldn't say no to it. But <laughs> <laughs> so this is oh, probably sure. not try. something I should say out loud, or I'm going to ask a question. I mean, not that GPA is not important, because we know that high school's GPAs do play a role in college admissions, mm -hmm. and we know that college uh, GPAs can play a role in grad school admissions, True. and like they do matter in terms of like rankings and those kinds of things and for scholarships, but let's look at like, quote, the real world. I have students all the time who try to put their GPAs on their resume, and I'm like, no one cares about that. No. Why are we point grubbing again? <laughs> Because that's what has been sort of trained in from high school. But it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. I mean, I don't want to be like, don't try or don't work, do, you know, don't set your own like effort level or whatever to do the best you can. But at the same time, like at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter all that much, does it? Yeah, I don't know. Easy, easy for us to say because our know. audience is all sitting in it, you know. But well, but um, I don't know. Like, do I want to put? I want students to like chill out a little. Like, you can focus on learning and not about the points, because like I have an advisee who's like really diligent, and she's like, "Well, is this gonna look bad on my transcript?" I'm like, "No one's gonna count this. No one's gonna look at this and be like, oh god, she dropped Spanish in her second semester. We can't hire her or whatever." I was like, "It's a W. It doesn't even count into your GPA." And she's like, "But does it look bad?" I'm like, "No one cares. No one cares." Yeah, no one cares. Yeah. Well, you're right about that. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, they, they when when I go and hand my transcripts in, which I frequently do, they they count the number at the bottom. They don't even look at the middle of the page. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, you got you got. What do I have? Eighty six units past my bachelor's. Ah, that means or whatever. Well, she listens to this podcast, so I hope she's listening. Because now I have. I mean, not that she doesn't believe me, but I think it might help add a little weight to my. It's yeah. fine, kind of thing. I don't know. You know, there's there's those there's those. It's just like sports. There's that top, you know, one percent that are gonna need that to get into the wait list at Harvard. Right. From high school, and and then there's the rest of us regular folks who are who do podcasts on That's the right. weekends. It's, um, it's not a weekend. It's a work day, bro. We're cooler. We're slightly cooler than using our weekends for podcasts. No, you're right about that. I use slightly. my weekends for yard work. Come on. I have a garden, you guys. <laughs> Old people talk. Old people talk. Uh, Drew, do you have to bounce? Yeah, it's time for me to go, but carry on. Okay. All right, thanks. Thanks, Drew. I don't know. I feel like I'm a little disoriented today. It is that time of the semester. Yes, and so I know, I know our students feel that way too. But <sighs> grades aren't arbitrary, but they kind of are. <laughs> so so I want to get into that. Okay. I'll, I'll mention one thing which I say to my advisees and anyone who will listen is that the number of people applying to colleges from high school is smaller than the number of people applying from to grad schools from colleges. It's smaller, is what you said? Or it should be larger. Okay, yes. Okay, I was like, what? Point being, the weight of your grades and GPA and your transcripts goes down and down and down and down the farther you get from high school. If you're applying to a job, you're probably gonna have people be your references or your or write letters of recommendation for you for that job. Certainly, if you're going to graduate school, mm. those letters take more and more weight the farther you are. So, 
Is your GPA pristine awesome 4.0? No, but do you have a letter from a professor who can speak like really strongly about your diligence and your dedication and that it was a joy to work with you and that you were just like this fantastic asset to their work? That's gonna go a real long way, no matter what you're doing. Like you're applying to graduate school or you're applying to like work at Savers or something, I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> then, you know, those letters are gonna be important, more important than, you know, did you ace an exam in physics? Right. So, relationships might matter a little more and points might matter a little less as we go on. I would remove the might and then yes. Okay. Well, I was just going to hedge that a little. You're right. And the students, and don't get me wrong, I have wonderful, hardworking, great students who do have 4.0. So those things don't mean that you can't be both of those things. Correct. But I also have students who are so focused on their grades, um, and they only come to see me to bargain for like two or three points, or, you know, those... and. Those are not the people I'm like eager to write letters for because um, they want to argue with me about small things or they're like, well, I revised. Why can't I just get two more points? I'm like, you added two commas. That's not revision. revision. You know, and like, you know, take your A minus and go with it. Yeah. Students, if you are an A student, but yet you have been badgering and point grubbing in high school and you come to college. You may still be an A student, you may not be, but even if you are, I don't want to write you a letter. If you're a student, if you do well in my class, but like you give me all kinds of attitude, you implicitly uh, question my integrity or authority or just expertise by coming in every week to be all like, I think you graded this wrong. I should have a few more points. Like, or harassing me is like, can I write an extra credit essay? Like, no, you can't. I don't want to grade your essay. Right. <laughs> I want to grade that. I don't want to grade I, that. I have plenty to grade already. Right. That the poisons that well. Right. Like I don't want to write you a, a letter. I don't want to write the letter that says, you know, they were in my office all the time and they're going to be up in your business 24 hours a day pestering you when you hire them. And I, I wouldn't write it that way, but I would certainly leave very little room for interpretation. I mean, I'm a rhetorician. I will write you a letter. It will say... It'll be well written. It'll it say, may not be a good letter. <laughs> <laughs> It'll say just enough to say what I really think, you know? But, I don't know. So, like, this idea of learning. and So it comes down to, well, what's the purpose of higher education? And what's the purpose of all education? But for us, I mean, that's couched within higher education. Is it to learn and grow as a person? To be able to contribute to society? I would say yes. That See, our philosophies here. Whereas I think that a lot of parents and students, and this is not a bad attitude to have because like, I know the realities of the market or whatever. I mean, I still have to buy groceries or whatnot. <laughs> like, well, this is to prepare you for a job. But that's not how I see it all the time. I would ideally love to do both, you know, so that but, you can't I mean, go on. But I would rather you be someone who can... Uh, problem solve and critically think and figure things out on their own rather than memorize a bunch of skills or like you know and that's the kind of thing that we are trying to grade for right right so that's why it comes into the grades is like why do I have to do this thing which doesn't seem to be a necessary part of this class like in physics 101 and astronomy 101 they have to write a reflection paper that's not astronomy it's not physics writing is everything 
Right, but I think it's important for them to be able to reflect upon this thing. And, and often I feel like the, the most mm, meaningful conversations I have with students come from discussing this reflection paper in terms of how their relationship to science has been constructed or has changed. But let's leave that for now. Yeah. And let's circle back around to something that you had mentioned in terms of sort of the kind of the arbitrariness. Yes. I don't know if that was the word you used. That is the word I used. So grades matter, but they don't. Yeah, so we've had a lot of conversations so far about the intention behind the grades, and there's a reason for that, which I don't think most people think about, and it's this. If we all have the same idea for what an A, a B, or a C student or work means, then it doesn't matter how we get to that grade. There can be multiple avenues to getting there. So in my classes, I have, a, I think, a fairly traditional percentage breakdown in terms of uh, 90 to, uh, to just under a 93 is an A minus, 93 and above is an A. Uh -huh. So I have 10% I have blocks for A, B, C, top and bottom 3% is your plus or minus. But at some level, that's arbitrary. If you handed the same exam to, I don't have colleagues here, but a colleague of mine in another school and had them grade it, they would, come, they would probably write down a different numerical answer. And so there is some discussion periodically about... Why do we even have grades at all? <laughs> well, <laughs> no. eventually oh. you get there. Eventually you get to the why do we even have grades at all. But it's like, well, can we have... Because students are frustrated because what, what counts as a B-plus in my class is... is Maybe different than what it is in your class. Numerically or value-wise? Numerically. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. Probably. But I use a pretty <clears throat> standard scale. Um, but the, the numbers don't matter, Pierre. Right. That's the point, <laughs> is that even if we, as a college, because we as a college have, have not tried to dictate to a faculty member what percentage they, they should assign to A's, B's, or pluses, or minuses. Like, it could really get shifted all over the place. Yeah. Uh, we leave it up to the individual faculty member to determine that grading. And that you could force me to use somebody else's grading scale. But the end result of that is that I simply change my grading you, well, to okay. reflect so that the number matches what I think the work is, right? Like, I, like the, I then have to think about, because there is this thing that goes on while you're grading and you're like looking at those, at those grades as they're adding up in the grade book and you're like, well, you know, Taylor, she's a, she's a B-plus student, but she's hitting an A-minus right now. I probably need to adjust something here. My grading is off. Like, we look at those final uh -huh. grades or those the grades as they're going on, and we're like, well, this student isn't really, their grade is not reflecting what I think they're doing, and so what happens? What happens is I adjust my grading. Right. I don't adjust my idea in my head of what an A or a B or a C student work is because we get tired and sometimes I'm like well uh, you know I don't know like I'll be grading and as I go they'll either get gradually worse or gradually better depending on my mood and then I'm like okay the last three people probably didn't make a D <laughs> <laughs> let me go back you know or whatever yeah I find myself doing that especially with papers which mm -hmm. is why I've gone to uh, to rubric grading on that is that it helps it helps bring me in it does it keeps you because I'll be all too. like, they didn't put anything in about their science journal. Right? And now I'm in this horrible mood, and I'm like, journal. Like, if I had yeah. a red pen, it would be all over that thing. Right? And I go look at the grading, it's like, it's only one-fifth. Yeah. So like, I, can't, uh, I cannot sink them on this one thing. Like, so that's like a, you know, what, a B-minus at 
worst. Right. Like, they do everything else fantastic, but they just didn't do this one thing as well as I'm like seething in size. Like I've set my rubric. Yeah. I have to I have to stick with my rubric. You know, and I've set my rubric in terms of what do I think, you know, really good versus not so good work is for that sort of thing. Well, I just wanna go back to Taylor, your okay. hypothetical student. Well, Taylor's a like you said, like a B plus student, but at this point in time, like maybe on this whatever, she's making like an A minus. That's not to say that a student who might perform at a B minus or B plus throughout the semester can't raise that performance to an A minus. That's true. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so really, what I what I mean to say is that I'm, if I'm reading Taylor's essay, her reflection paper is like this is really should be at a B plus level. This is, that, this is my holistic assessment of the kind of work this is, but when I tally the points, it comes up A minus. Right. At which point, I, I need to start to, I mean, it's unethical, I feel, for me to then sort of arbitrarily at that point just redo all my rubric. Right. Right, because I, I give that to my students at the beginning of the semester, they have that. But I need to, at that Go back point, through and re-look re at what you've graded. Right, I have to reevaluate what I am doing in terms of how I'm grading in order to to match that. Uh, if it works out in the student's favor, I usually will not do, I won't do anything with that. I'm much more likely if I'm like, oh, my grading is super off, everyone's yeah. low, I'm yeah. much more likely to be like, okay. Like the class average is a 65, this isn't good. <laughs> right, I need, to, I need to change some yeah. things or I'm, I'm yeah. doing something wrong. But talking about the class average, I think actually brings up an, another sort of interesting concept about grading which is what Drew has talked about and happens in his department is the standards-based grading. Uh -huh. so, so mastery and there are things, it's, it's almost, or maybe it is like, there are tasks which they can be able to show that they can do sort of ac actions. You know, it's, it's almost like getting certified in algebra. You know, I can do this thing. I, you've, sh you've shown mastery in this thing. What we're talking about is more traditional grading. Right. Where we have this, still there's this sort of idea. There's this underlying idea for what ABC means, but we are approaching it in different ways. There is a third way, which is grading on a curve. Oh, boo. So students, by the way, mathematically, what grading on a curve means does not mean just like adding points or subtracting points. The underlying premise is that if you have a large enough student population in the class, the sort of understanding of that subject matter goes in a Gaussian or normal distribution. It's a bell curve. Boop, 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 boop. That right. was, I did a bell curve. You're right. <laughs> Jamie gave you the, the aural. Yeah, the effects. And what the assumption is in that case is that the average, the mean, should be a C. Most people should be a C. And then you have, uh, as you come out there on the wings, you start to get on one side your Ds and on one side your Bs. Mm -hmm. And then the little tiny tails are your A's and F's. That's still not an uncommon way to think about things. No, it's not. It's not. And so this is true grading on a curve, which is basically you take the number of, like you could, basically you just rank. Right. You rank the scores, only like the top 5% get A's, the next 15 get B's, like this middle like large percent gets C's. So when people walk into classrooms at the beginning of the semester and they're like, only two of you are going to get A's in this class, it's because they're grading like, that. Yeah, that that might be the case. Yeah, I find this to be a little stupid, <laughs> personally. It's like I want them to understand the material. If everybody understands the material, if I can manage right. to do that, and they can manage to do that. 
I have no problem giving everybody's A. I don't find my job to be to rank mm. my class. At larger institutions, you can have the situation where there may be one or two lectures, but there's a whole bunch of discussion sections, which are taught by different graduate students. So when my class is here, I'm the only person grading the material, uh, which means it's consistent. It has to be. Well, it doesn't have to be, but it's, it's consistent. It's consistent. We can make it right, because I'm a single person grading all, all of my students' work. If you have eight TAs grading discussion section work, there can be variations. It, there can be serious variations, and so I have seen a system where the grades that are given by only the the TAs to their sections, so homework and lab grades, they get sort of plotted in this sort of bell curve shape and then the professor would take them and shift them to overlap with the grades that were done with everybody grading together, like exams. Oh, okay. So your exam grade gives you your... Your true bell. Your true bell curve saying, okay, this is how everybody actually is distributed. And everybody, if you have a really hard TA, then all those grades are, were shifted really low on the homework, but they all get pulled up right. to sort of line up appropriately with the class overall. And if you have a really easy grading TA, then your grades were artificially inflated and you only get pulled back down to line up with the class as a whole because the exam represents a better sense of what the, the class as an all, uh, overall huh. understands. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, we were far too small to worry about that. But it was, it was the, as a graduate student, I ran into that for the very first time. And at first I was like, what are we even doing? And I was like, oh. Oh, if I, I mean, it actually, it makes sense because it protects students who have TAs who grade harshly, even though that also challenges them to do better. Yeah. Huh. I don't know that we've come to any conclusion. I mean, part of the thing is there is no conclusion to come to. Oh, so this is like a real learning situation? A real learning situation. (laughs) I mean, I would say for our students, the, the takeaway here is that the focus on points clouds your ability to actually perform in the class, and that the grades are meant, ideally, to reflect your understanding of that material. So if you're focused on understanding that material, then the grades will follow. If you're focused on the grades, then the understanding may not follow, in which case the grades don't follow. Like, it's sort of this weird sort of paradox that if you're focused on grades, you don't, you don't get good grades. And then if you're not focused on grades, you do, well, you do, you get good grades. Well, not always, but. Not always. (laughs) For sure. Like just focus on learning. And so one of the things I ask my one or two students to do every semester at the beginning of the semester is to think about what they want from the class. Even though I specifically tell them, do not list a grade. I am not interested in the grade that you want. I would say 80% of them can't help themselves. And they're like, I know I'm not supposed to, but I really would like an A. <sighs> <laughs> So like I want, I try right away to get them to focus away from like mm-hmm. the goal of being a grade to the goal of being like, well, what do you think you want to learn from this class? Because if you can articulate, well, I want to learn how to use source material better. Okay. Then we go back to them the semester because that's one thing I have them do. I think it's their next to last or last entry as they go back and look at that first entry and they assess what they've learned maybe they didn't have the right idea about what the class was. Sometimes, sometimes it's reassessing the purpose of the class mm-hmm. um, just to see. And it's really hard if you're like, well, I, looked, I wanted an A, and I guess I'm not going to get it, which is usually... That happens a lot in my classes. Yeah, me too. 
Not that I don't give A's. I give A's. I mean, I don't, I do I don't, know, I don't like the word give. Students just earn, earn an A. a. Yeah. There are I've a's evaluated students. A students. Yes, yeah. I've evaluated A students. Definitely. And I, I'm happy to reward like hard and good work. You know, that is, uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> it's way easier to talk about the good and strong points in a paper and to really like be like, wow, I can tell that you're getting better, blah, blah, blah. I love doing that. It's harder. It's a lot more work for me to pinpoint areas where you would need to revise should you choose to do that. Like that's a lot more work for me. And so it, I don't know. I don't know where that was going. It's going somewhere. <laughs> so anyway, listeners. <laughs> it's the end of the semester. We're a little, and we don't, I don't really want to talk about grades with my students at all right now, but... No, this is the time where the dis- grade discussion is Actually, very much mathematical. Yes. Can I get an A? Let me Can refer- I pass this class? Let me rephrase that. I would rather you come talk to me about the fact that you're failing than to stay in the class past the drop date and wait till too long. I would, I mean, yes, that's the other thing is, is that I keep telling, I feel, I feel like I say this every semester, and students don't believe me somehow. <laughs> they don't believe me either, like anytime. Well, I, and I say, I mean, I say that and I say, you are not your grades. Mm. You as an individual are not defined by your grades. Like I'm an A student, like stop saying that crap. Yeah. I mean, one, it sounds stupid, just kidding. Well, <laughs> it doesn't sound nice. <laughs> sounds entitled. Yeah. But it's also, that's not important to me. If a student's going to drop my class, I don't think anything less of them. No, actually, yeah. And I talk about that with students all the time, too, advisees. Well, I'm just worried that I'm going to be disappointing them. And I'm like, not that they don't care about you as individuals, but right. that's not really... I'm, all, I'm not like, always sad to see students go. Sometimes I'm like, no, this is a good choice for you. You're, you should drop the class. But I try not to take it too personally. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll see you in another class, you know? I sent an email to a student today who was... Terrified to come talk to me about how they're doing in my class, and it's like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at you. Students are here to learn and grow and figure things out, and sometimes that means that figuring out that this is not the time to take my class, you know. And I told them I want you to succeed, and part of that means having an open and honest conversation about what we can do in yeah. this class. And at this point, too much has been missed, and and it's been too long. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can't go back and, and do that. I don't have the time. It would be unfair for me if I did to, to ask you to do this for facing the entire semester to go back and get all this stuff in. So, you know, I'd be happy to have you to sit down and talk science anytime you want to stop by. I'd be happy to have you in a class in the future. It's like, this is not, my assessment is of the work in the class, not of the individual. And there have been plenty of students who have bombed my class who are you know who I genuinely like you know I'm like oh I wish you you know have a little you know usually it has to do with over scheduling themselves or being a little lazy often yes and there are students who do exceptionally well that I don't particularly like I know I'm not supposed to say that out loud I said I've had students who did much better than I thought they would but were basically extremely rude to me like no I don't want to write you well, and I and sometimes I'm like, thank God that class is over. I hope that person doesn't enroll in another class. 
Um, but usually it's not the people who have messed up. Those people, I'm like, yeah, we'll just do it again. So like in terms yeah. of being embarrassed or worried about talking about those things, it's more about you just being a respectful, nice person. As long as a student is respectful to me and, and is trying, and I don't like, I don't think of myself as an intimidating person, but <laughs> like I'm a professor of physics, so you know, he's that not can intimidating be, like at all. <laughs> some people are intimidated by that. I don't know. Physicists aren't. But <laughs> Dang it. I thought you like well, like you know, like an alpha physicist or something. No. No. Okay. No, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> but I enjoy my career job, but whatever. You know, it can be intimidating to come talk about stuff, but it's like. That's part. I know we've talked about this before, but that's part of the adulting. That's part of the growing and figuring out your life and being, you know, autonomous and like just doing it. Like having those conversations that are tough. We don't love it. Like we've been sitting here talking about, I don't want to talk about grades. But if someone walks in and says, I want to talk about my grade, we have to have that conversation. Yeah, let's do this. You know, like I'm not enthusiastic about it, but I feel it is only proper for me to have right. that conversation. Like, this is where you're at. This is what I think an average student can do. So here's what I think you would be at the end of the semester. What do we, you know, like, where do we go from there? Yeah. 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 Are we just, like, tired of, like, adulting and life right now? Because we're like, just stop point grubbing. Be honest with yourself. <laughs> go learn some things. Yeah. Yeah, go learn and have fun. Yeah. Stop worrying about it, if possible. I know that's not possible for everybody. But if it's possible, stop worrying about it and just find the thing that's interesting in a subject, even one that you normally don't care about. I don't know if I need people to change like their philosophies about what education is or does, but it would be helpful if they at least understood mine. Yes, because we're the ones you have to deal with. Yeah. And, we, and we approach grading as... An evaluation of the work of an individual and that's it well in terms of like there are learning outcomes for our classes and like mastery of those outcomes right mm-hmm. yeah okay so as always <laughs> come talk to us if you yeah <laughs> we are on a roll today <laughs> but yes yeah, so if you have questions you can contact dr. Highland on Twitter at at Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R Highland H-Y-L-A-N-D or if you have a longer question or concern you can contact him through his gmail at peter.o.highland at gmail.com ah! <laughs> I even got your inflection <laughs> yes it's true anyway I hope you enjoyed listening to us to ramble on and on and we'll see you next week bye